Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for the show, and it is Pride Month, and I'm really excited about this because you know what? We are kicking it off just a couple of weeks early because I feel like we need to celebrate our pride all the time, but I had an opportunity to have this guest on the show. But before we dive in and talk about him and all the great stuff he's doing, I just want to remind you that if you are just feeling like you're in that space in life where you just can't seem to move forward, you can't come out of the closet, whatever that closet is in your life, hop on over to the website, do the unapologetic life assessment. You can find that at nofearsnoexcuses.com. See what's going on for you. See what you can do to start living your life unapologetically because that's what I feel like pride is all about is like living your life unapologetically. And my guest today, he kind of came out of the shadows from being an actor, being on a hit show, now he's doing music. And then when I met him, I'm like, wait, this guy is a gay life coach. It's so interesting. And we have similar brands that we do in our work. And then I found out he's another part of another coaching alliance that I belong to. And then when I learned more about him, I thought this is somebody that would be great to have on the show his name is Brian Falduto. He is, that name might ring a bell for some of you because he was on a little movie that I'll let him talk about that I think some of you are going to go, oh my God, I remember that movie. And then years later, he finally realized I am coming out of that closet. So Brian, welcome <laughs> to Life Uncloseted, my friend. Or new friend, Hi. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, new friend. New friend. So um, you've done a lot of stuff. you got a lot of irons in the fire right now, man, it sounds like, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It also doesn't feel like that at all, you know, because everything's everything's the everything feels so controllable because there's so many not moving parts, you know, right now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's um, not a lot of moving parts. Here we are in COVID, all that good stuff, and we're celebrating probably a little bit early. But yeah, isn't that interesting how we go, 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 and then suddenly, boy, <laughs> we're, yeah, everything's yeah, I mean, like slow down. There's parts of it that I am loving, and obviously there's parts of it that are a struggle. And, um, and yeah, I don't even, I, I already just, <laughs> right off the bat, I'm venting about COVID. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Every one of these that I've been recording have been, somehow that has come up and, you know, actually it's so interesting because I'm sure there's some parents that are like, oh, just go sit down and watch this movie called School of Rock. I don't have time to deal with you right now. So, um, yeah. but, um, that's kind of one of your big breaks, right? That was kind of yeah. where things really began yeah, no for you. So to speak. I've been hearing that it's um, been showing on HBO during quarantine, so uh, I certainly don't mind that. Um, I don't mind that for the check, and also just because I'm glad to know it's bringing people entertainment during tough times. And yeah, no, I was in School of Rock when I was younger, long time ago, seventeen years now. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a big movie. Um, I feel like a lot of there's a lot of movies that are flops. I yeah. lucked out and I also didn't luck out because I think that that reputation followed me for a long time and I wasn't really ready for it. But at right. the same time, um, it was a cool, 
a magical thing to be a part of. When I look mm -hmm. back on like all that School of Rock has done for people from inspiring kids to pick up instruments to whatever role I played in that. Um, all right. it's, all, it's all cool. So School of Rock, singer, all these other things, and then suddenly life coach. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, well, so to be honest, I had like this awakening moment when I was going for a hike one day. I was just trying to, I was pretty um, unhappy with the artist life um, from a fruitful standpoint. Um, I do a lot of my own self-started projects. I do, mm -hmm. you know, I have acting gigs from time to time. I have music yeah. gigs from time to time. But, you know, I think any artist will tell you that it ebbs and flows. And um, a lot of it was so fulfilling for me, but it was also like, I feel like I want to do more. But I had no idea what that was because art is all I've ever known. Um, but it was also this time where I was started cutting to, I was starting to use my art to kind of rediscover myself and reconnect to a really more authentic person than I ever had been. Um, because, um, yeah, I was just like really separated from my emotional core back then and like kind of like what made up me at my center because I had run from it for so long. So, um, so like while I was also doing art, I was doing all this like inner work and I was like, wait, I feel like there's a way to combine these um, in a way that allows me to continue on my journey. So it was a little bit of a selfish thing, honestly, but also how can I now go back and hold people's hands as they're on this journey too? And why can, how can we all work together? Um, and then like life coaching just kind of came to me and I was like, let me do that. Um, and anyone who knows about any of my artistic projects knows that once I decide I'm going to do something, there's really no stopping me. So, <laughs> that's awesome, man. you know, it's interesting as you're talking because that's similar to what happened to me. I was like laid off from my job and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go become a consultant and do the stuff I did and da 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 da. And then suddenly it's like life coaching kind of showed up in my life because of some clients I was working with. And I'd had a coach, so I kind of knew what it was. And I always thought, oh, that'd be really cool to kind of do it. But then I'd always set it over on the shelf. Like, ah, eh, no, you gotta, you gotta make a paycheck. You know, you gotta pay for this, you gotta pay for that. And then it's almost like the bitch just showed up and slapped me upside the head and said, you're supposed to be doing this, right? And so first I like, like went the side road of, well, let's go explore therapy, you know, becoming a licensed social worker, a counselor, all that stuff. And at that time I was, hmm, Mid 40s, I guess. Yeah, I just turned 45, 46. And I'm like, uh, I am not going back to school. It's not going to happen. I do not have the bandwidth, yeah, patience, yeah. any of that stuff to go through this, right? And then it hit. Oh, I could do this coaching thing because I could have the impact I want to have and kind of have some freedom to do it and be the coach that I want to be based on what I know best, which was coming out late in life. And it just kind of started to happen. But you said something that was so poignant about that emotional self and seeing that um, your own inner emotion piece. I think that's one of the things that I've discovered, not only for myself having a coach and working through coaching, but then also being a coach. It's that interesting space that when people finally dig into that, that's when the magic starts to happen. They go below the surface, you know, and they start to really dig in there. And um, it can get scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I find scary. that I find that it all has to do with kind of that relationship with yourself. 
Mm -hmm. um, and the whole funny thing about coaching is like you're reaching out for help and support on your journey of self-development. But what coaches are actually trained to do is to turn everything back on yourself because you're the only one who can actually teach yourself. So it's like, how can we ask the right questions and how can we get you to your answers that you already have, you just don't right. know about. So, um, so yeah, it's a very, I feel like people, there's so many misinterpretations of what coaching is. And really yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, not, I mean, it's not that, like we don't have answers. It's not that difficult of a job. It's guiding you to your answers. You know what I mean? Like it is and it isn't. Obviously it's a craft. Yeah, like, it is a craft you... and, and it is that interesting space. And when I've said what you've just said to people, they're like, well, then I could just figure it out. <laughs> and of course, I'm oh, no, a little bitch. If you could, you would have already done it, right? Yeah, we can't we can't see our own shit when we're yeah. in our own shit. Uh, it just doesn't yeah. work that way. And even as a coach myself, there there's those moments. Like, I mean, I just reached out to somebody that I I wouldn't consider my coach, but somebody I can go to, and I'm like, okay, I need it. I need to get out of my own way here. Help me figure this out, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not above that, but I think that's part of the the core with all of this. Yeah. Especially for us that are in the LGBTQ community, there's been so much of this is who you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to show up in the world as. This is how you're supposed to be. And suddenly, well, but that's not who I am. And so yeah. then all that stuff is layered on top of it. So we've got to really dig through the crap, you know, <laughs> we yeah. got to go dig really, 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 really deep to get to some of the core stuff. So um, when you but started, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. That's another reason why I think that gay men make such good coaches because mm -hmm. we've had to do such deep inner work to like really uncover what's there. And so I think that we've been in the trenches and we want to like, we want to help people get out of theirs. Mm -hmm. And it's in those trenches. And this is something I see, especially because I do a lot of work with gay men. It's like, but you've been in this space, you know, the pain of going there. This is just another version of it in your life. And to me, the coming out process is one of the greatest training grounds for any big decision in life, anything that you come up against. Because if you can go through the coming out process and it's never done, I'm not advocating like, oh, okay, once and done, well, here we are, you know. <laughs> but um, if you can manage through that, even if it's the worst thing you've ever gone through, it has trained you for so, so, so many things in life. Yeah. And it gives you so much strength. If you, well, if you lean, <laughs> if you lean yeah. into it, that's the key, right? Yeah, I agree. This moment where you have to be like, I am different mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Saying that, even just now saying it is like, mm -hmm. it's never, it always comes with a feeling. It's never just like a simple mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And in your world, because you, you, you know, obviously there's like the stereotypes of, oh, it's, a, he's an actor. So, you know, him being gay, that's just, you know, it's a piece of cake, right? Or a musician. <laughs> but I think it, it's still not. I mean, in those worlds, it's still like, okay, well, yes, it's more accepted, but I still think there's, and you're the expert in this. So it's got to be still some stigma and stuff around trying to do some of this creative stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak to like the general actor, actor stigma, but like I can definitely speak from my personal story, and I'm not playing the woe is me card here. But anyone who says that I've had it easier, has some easy association. At the age of 11, I was mm -hmm. pinpointed as gay by the entire public and the media um, at a time when, in 2003, when there were literally like five LGBTQ referencing items in the media. So yep. I don't, 
I don't feel that anyone at that age is equipped to like Mm-mm. deal with that, especially in that time period. So I would happily argue anyone who's like, oh, you've had it easy. I was like, I don't think that I had, no. honestly. <laughs> no, no I, I think the stereotype is actually a detriment at times. It's like, uh, no, in fact, I've been watching Hollywood, the series, and it's so interesting how they portrayed Rock Hudson in that series. And it's like, wow. It wasn't easy. I mean, I know this intuitively because I lived it. I mean, so you, you, you know, he, at 11 years old in 2003, well, that's just like four years. I came out in 1999. So I, I was like living that, except I was living it at 36, 37, 38 years old. So I know that feeling. But when people take those stereotypes and go, oh, he's a singer, he's an actor, she's the da 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 da. Oh, that makes sense that they're gay. It's like that didn't help us any. Yeah. You still had the same crap to go through. First of all, Hollywood is on my watch list. So thank you for letting me know it's good. Um, and then <laughs> it's, good. Um, it's really, and the men are so hot. Anyway, that's like <laughs> a side note there. But um, but also, yeah, I mean, and especially onto a child. That's kind of yeah, like one yeah, of yeah. my biggest arguments to this day. And I don't have a lot of things that I like stand firm and I'm like, this is exactly how I feel about this and I'm not changing. One of them is like, stop calling kids gay. They're just children. Mm-hmm. They don't know yet. They don't know anything about their sexuality other than what they're told. So mm-hmm. I think that it's like such a damaging thing. It's mm-hmm. really, it, yeah. I mean, as someone at age 11, you don't actually, like scientifically, you don't actually have hints that you're gay until it's 12 or 13. So it's literally right. impossible to know. Yep. I know for me, it was probably right around 13, 14 that I started really figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I mean, I knew there was something and there was a time in my life where, you know, there was a, a sexual abuse piece to my story that I'm like, Oh, well, this kind of makes sense. Why I like men and why I always look at the crotches, even though, you know, whatever, but it didn't, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. wasn't all a complete click in at that moment, you know, but and you should was, be able to connect those dots on your own. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what I think is unfortunate is what you just brought up when people are like, oh, that person's gay. Well, maybe they're not. And even if they are, let them figure that out. You know, I've had so many students that I've, when I've spoke on college university campuses, you know, I have the the loving, (laughs) the loving friends that like, I have a friend who I just wish, and what can I do to help? And I just want to say, you know, shut the fuck up and leave me alone, which I don't say. I'm like, well, you know, it's really best if they get to figure this out on their own and you be supportive, you know, but let it, kind of happen so um in your case do you feel like it it just suddenly boom you're in the midst of all this and you didn't even get to make the decision no i ran from it all i knew at the age was that it was super bad to be gay like Mm -hmm. i just knew that it wasn't cool and so i was like okay well that's not me and so i just immediately started denying and entered like I think I just jumped to like, there were like phases of denial. I think I just Mm -hmm. jumped to like six on like a scale of one to 10 and then just continued to put the pedal to the metal till like I even convinced myself that I was happy and that I would never, the possible, it wasn't even possible for me to be gay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't come out until I fell in love senior year of college. Um, And then it was just kind of hard to deny (laughs) all the feeling. But um. But what you were just saying before, I also found super interesting, like, um, just because, like, the whole projecting, like, um, yeah, 
also like we need to stop asking straight men to be more sensitive and effeminate and like ditch toxic masculinity and then all of a sudden call them gay if they don't like match the perfect idea of a man that we've always been taught so it's Mm -hmm. like we're really contradicting ourselves we cannot ask this of of men and then and then turn around and be like oh are you gay right you know yep it's so interesting you brought that up because I do some work in the talk. I've done done some work in the toxic masculinity and even on my other podcast, 40 plus real men, real talk. We, we have that conversation quite a bit and I hate the term toxic masculinity. It just, it drives me nuts because of what you just brought up. It's like, okay, you're going to call them toxic, but then the moment that they start to be vulnerable or open, you're going to call them a little pussy. Yeah. It, no, it's, we, we have to, we have I have to a lot just of friends. Let people who, be people. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who agree with me. Like, people should be more sensitive. People should be more vulnerable. But there's almost like this instinctual reaction to that that we've been taught. Like, oh, they must be gay. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, that's not the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting too to play in this, you know, this coaching world where we are, and to see so many coaches who are male who are really very sensitive, open and vulnerable. But then there are times that I can see that suddenly in certain crowds, they kind of, they kind of like, okay, I got to butch it up, so to speak. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why? It's like totally okay to be a guy who's vulnerable, compassionate, empathetic, blah, blah, blah. What all the little fun words we throw out there these days, (laughs) but yet, and I think it's well, it's definitely societal, but then I also believe as men, I don't know that we'll ever shake this little piece of, well, okay, I've got to show up as a man, which yeah, define that, please. You know, what does, what does being a man really mean? It's so individual. Yeah. So it's individual. a noise. It's a no- man is a noise that was made to yeah. invent, like that was invented to describe something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally agree with you. Well, as you should, because I'm the host of the show. So you have to <laughs> just like if I go on your show, I'm going to have to agree with you on everything, too. But um, so let's talk about your show a little bit. It's just getting yeah. going. And, you know, you didn't just like, I'm going to do this because I've been in the entertainment. So da, 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 da. There, there's always a reason behind why people go and decide to do these things. So I'm curious for you. Why did you decide to launch this podcast? Yeah, so it's called the Gay Life Coach Podcast. And um, basically, I mean, I've, had, I've kind of been wanting most people in my field to have some sort of way of regularly releasing content, whether that's pieces that they're writing or um, uh, tutorials they're releasing. And none of that really ever appealed to me. I've written like a piece for The Advocate once and it did well right. and I was like, great, but I'm not. <laughs> like, right. that's, I, don't like, I don't like writing. A lot of my creative energy goes into my songwriting and I think that's like its own journey and I don't want to like mess with my energy in that direction. So it's like, I was like, what can I do? And then someone mentioned podcasting. I was like, sure, but that seems like a lot to coordinate. Um, I actually, I was actually approached by someone uh, who kind of believed in what I was doing with my brand as far as like my Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were yeah. like, we should turn this into a podcast. And I was like, okay, great. If you have the connections to make this happen, let's do it. And so 
I was kind of fueled into it. But then once I got started, I was like, wait, yeah, I should totally be talking to other people who feel the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. We should totally be sharing stories the way that I have shared stories and discovered their power. We should totally be attacking issues that I find important in the queer community because no one's talking about them. I got really excited about this and I was like, oh, cool. Let's totally do, like, I'm so excited about it. That's awesome, man. So what is something in the queer community right now that you feel like we aren't talking about? Well, it's so funny because I'm also realizing, like, I just watched The Normal Heart. Like, I rewatched it. Mm. I read Straight Jacket. I've, of course, read The Velvet Rage. I These conversations have been being had on the sideline of the queer community about more authentic living. And I'm just wondering, like, what's going to... I don't know. I was talking to a therapist who's a queer therapist recently, and there's more gay men in their 20s in therapy now than there ever has been. So, like, I think mm. that maybe a mindfulness movement is moving upwards, but I'm just... I think that we need to have these conversations that like you and I are having and like these podcasts are about sooner. I think we can erase some of the toxic years where people are entering self-sabotaging situations mm-hmm. because they don't know their worth. I think that we can like, we can do something about that through conversation. And so I'm, I'm sick of just hearing like stories of people who like finally hit their truth when they reached like 35. You know, like, I think, I think we can, we can up that, especially with all the representation nowadays. I mean, that's the whole point of the movement, right? To kind of just help people feel comfortable more early. I think one of the things you you just said (laughs) that I think is very important. And it's something that it doesn't matter if you come out when you're 13 or 53. There's almost like an assumption that, okay, you come out and I'm not going to say everything is good, but like, okay, you've come over that hurdle. And what I have observed a lot is you come over that hurdle, good, bad, or indifferent, however it plays out. Obviously, if it's a really tough coming out, then there's a lot more baggage you're bringing with you. But there's still layers of self-sabotage that follow you right out of that closet door. And you can look all great and everything can look good on, on you know the surface. But I will have worked with more gay men and not that it hasn't been in the, in the lesbian community too, who the self-sabotaging is just continues. And it isn't like yeah. they're hurting themselves like physically. It isn't like they're overtly like using tons of drugs. It's the sabotage of I'm not good enough. It's yeah. the sabotage that I will never find love. It's the sabotage that I will never get to do something that matters. And every bit of it, in my opinion, stems from... <laughs> We haven't addressed the elephant in the room. We have got to learn how to not self-sabotage. We have got to learn how to self-care. We have got to learn how to support one another and not tear each other down. Yeah. I think the elephant in the room is healing. Yes. And that's kind of what it's about after we come out of the closet. I think a lot of the movement is focused on like creating a world where that's not the case, where people can just come out of the closet and not need to heal. But that's not the world we live in right now. So most of the time when people come out of the closet, there is a healing process that needs to happen because of all the shame. And that healing piece is huge because it doesn't matter what perspective. I mean, a lot of my clients are guys who've been married, have children and wives. And there's a whole, it's a whole different healing that happens because there's that healing of, okay, I'm a son of a bitch. And then there's the healing of, but I still care about those people, but they don't care about me. So then they got to heal around that. And then there's the healing of, and I've wasted so much of my life. 
And that's just the top three. I mean, I just Man. like boom, boom, boom. You know, there's the faith thing that starts to come up if they, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting little dichotomy that I get, get faced with. It's a lot of guys of faith, a lot of guys who've been in long-term relationships. There's usually always two or three kids involved in this whole equation. And somewhere along the way, it's more common than not that they kind of had the conversation with their spouse about their feelings, but then we just brush that under the carpet. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't talk about it. And yeah. so I think you're right, this healing piece. And I think this is so apropos for this whole kicking off pride with this conversation because pride to me is a symbol. It's a symbol of many things, but it's definitely a symbol of taking the steps to heal yourself and accept yourself. And without having and you know, that pride, you can't get beyond it. Yeah. And you know, maybe this is the quiet pride we've always needed. People are at home doing inner work right now, getting quiet with themselves, learning to actually accept themselves without any sort of outside validation or busyness. Maybe this is what we've needed. Like everyone should, instead of going out and flaunting your beautiful body, which I'm so happy we do every year. I'm really, I really love pride. I go every year. It's so fun. But instead of doing that, why don't we just stay in and connect with ourselves like we never have before because we were never able to. I think it's interesting. So Brian, uh, Brian and I were are both part of the Gay Coaches Alliance, and we had a we were going to have this great conference a couple of weeks ago. Would have would have been when the conference would have happened, and then of course you know this little bitch COVID came along, and we didn't get <laughs> to do it. But what I found so interesting, and I'd love your perspective of how you saw it too, is we had a lot of people participate in the two day virtual event, and it was almost. It was a different kind of camaraderie that I think came from that. Now, of course, if we'd been at the conference, it would have been a whole another game. But I love the camaraderie that showed up because, as you just said, this be, having to be kind of quiet and at home and isolated is bringing new things to the forefront. Yeah. I mean, I thrive off of that environment that I try and create for myself as often as possible. I'm introverted and inner work is like my mojo. Like I love right. it. Right. <laughs> so like I get, so uh, yeah, something like a virtual conference for me is like super exciting and fueling to my experience, but I don't, um, yeah. I mean, I think that the conference was really nice. Did you go to it whatever in person? I, I went, I, no, I've never been to it in person, but I know a lot of the fun events and stuff they do. And as they oh, were great. talking about some of that stuff, I'm like, well, I'm like, I actually, okay. I'm not doing some of that because <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm kind of an introvert. People would say, no, Rick is not an introvert. I'm like, Oh yeah. There's a, there's an introvert that like, Oh no, don't, don't make me do something like that. You know? Yeah. So, um, but it is interesting. And I think we have been called forth. And again, I think it is interesting, the perspective that people have around pride this year, because yes, for a lot of people, they're going to miss that. Okay. And that's totally understandable. But what if this year we are being called to something completely different, to show up yeah. in a different way, to really see things and to experience something in a way that we never have before, you know, yeah. I think it's, if you think about what pride is, I mean, I don't, I don't have the definition on hand, but it's probably like some sort of belief in yourself despite all odds, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like there should be nothing stopping pride. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't go away because of a lack of a parade. Pride can be found, well, it should start with yourself. I yep. think that's the definition of it and then work outward from there. So mm -hmm. if, any chance, if anything, we have, our pride might be being fueled because we have time with ourselves. 
So what's the thing you feel like you've learned most about yourself by starting to coach? By starting to coach? Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to start asking that on my podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, what is the thing I learned most about myself about by starting to coach? Um, well, this process coaching kind of came because I fell in love with my inner work, which was me finding confidence and overcoming shame. And coaching is, you then have to kind of put yourself in the driver's seat of someone's, well, they're the author of their story, right? But you're, right. you know, I guess if you were like editing a book, you'd be there as like co-editor, right? Like you're, right. you're like, uh, you're pitching in and you're, you're revising things. Um, and so a lot of my newfound confidence came under a microscope and I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, do I actually believe all the things I'm saying? Do I, um, and also just on the other end of that, like, is it okay to just acknowledge that I'm completely wrong sometimes in this mm -hmm. process, which is also true. I think that there's just a lot of more questions. I kind of, it kind of like, as I was my initial goal, it kind of just fueled my own personal growth in a way, because I was asking myself, well, like, like, how true are all these things that you've discovered about yourself and, and do they hold water up against someone else's story or someone else's objections or someone else's questions? Does that make it's sense? Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting that um, you see the coaching relationship as we all, you know, as coaches, we see it that, you know, we're, we're just here on the sidelines, so to speak. We're yeah. the, <clears throat> we're the catalyst, but, you know, and one of the ways I describe it is, and you can tell by what I'm about to say that I grew up in the Top Gun era, but it's like, <laughs> I, I'm the wingman, but I'm not the pilot. Yeah. You know, and yet there are times that I am my, my own wingman in my own life. And there's other times I'm my own pilot. And one of the things I try to get my clients to really start to embrace is that own philosophy for themselves. There are times you're going to feel like you're the wingman of your life, but maybe those are the times when you're stepping aside and letting the wingman just be the observer mm. so that the pilot can go do what he's supposed to do. Instead of always thinking, I got to fly this thing. I got to make this happen. We get so caught up in, I got to do this da, 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 that we never take the time to step aside. And again, coming back, you know, this COVID thing, it just, it, she shows up every five minutes now in this conversation, but it <laughs> is something that I've found for me personally has caused me to slow down even more. I was mm -hmm. pretty slowed down to begin with. <laughs> I'm like, I'm at that space in life where things are good. I don't have to like, I don't have to be busting ass to make a lot of stuff happen, but I kind of go, okay, I wouldn't want to say I can work whenever I want, but I'm kind of almost there, you know? Yeah. And a week into this, I was suddenly like, God, I'm bitchy. God, I'm just like, what's going on? I'm like, okay, this isn't having any impact really on you, Rick. You work from home to begin with. Okay, stores are closed and all that, but you don't really go out and shop anyway. So other than the wineries are shut down, which, yeah, that's a bitch because I'm a big wine drinker, but... I'm like, this isn't having a huge impact. And then I suddenly realized I felt the pressure of suddenly everybody being in. Everybody's in working from home. And it's like, okay, these bitches just came into my space and I do yeah. not like this, you know? But it was such how a think, how do you think interesting. The pets feel? Oh God, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel sorry for all these pets and you know, all that sort of stuff. But it was such an interesting personal going in for me to 
realize how much I was feeling that energy and then asking myself, well, what is that really preventing you from doing? Just because now everybody's working from home and yeah, the energy has shifted in the planet. Okay. Yes. I realize that piece. So that's a big part when you know, you can feel that kind of energy, but I just had to have a little talk with myself and like, okay, well that what's the good that can come out of that. Yeah. Now I live in a beautiful area of California. Not that, you know, there's lots of beautiful areas of California, but we always have really, really blue skies, great weather, almost 70 degrees at the highest every day. And then about a week and a half after that whole thing went down, Brian, my husband and I went to walk. We go and walk along and there's a beach walk that we can do. And I like, wow, the water is really blue. I thought, ah, it's just because it's a little bit cloudy. So then two yeah, weeks okay. later we went there and I'm like, oh my God, the water is like, it is like really, really blue. And I was like, oh, this is what it means to be really slowing down. You know, things that there's not as much pollution happening. There's not as much this happening. And for me, it's been such a great way for me to take that inner assessment and go, what do you need to like clean up? What do you need to like let go of and let stop polluting your life and all that sort of stuff? So, so tell us real quick about your music. Where are you going with that? What's next on that front? <laughs> oh yeah. I wanted to respond. I just, I love it. Oh, well, go ahead. Respond. No, I was so with you on all that. It's, it's, um, yeah, I think it was really, really beautifully put. Um, music. I have a music video coming out for pride season. Uh, this beautiful virtual product that I'm really proud of, um, that, uh, Conveniently or not conveniently, um, I don't like to label this time so much um, uh, because there's a lot going on, obviously. Um, something's good, something's bad. Um, but, you know, Pride is going virtual and I have this beautiful virtual product and I'm excited to kind of contribute it to the season. Um, cool. You mentioned religion. Um, and it's so funny because this is the song is called um, God Loves Me Too. And it's about my experience growing up as a gay man in church. Mm. Um, and... I'm so excited. I feel I've, I've never held a more important message in my pocket and I'm literally so excited to share it with the world. We have so many organizations and artists and people who have kind of signed on because I think everyone knows that this is something that hasn't been said yet as directly as we're saying it and it's, uh, it's exciting, yeah. That's awesome. I love that you kind of qualified that as, as nobody's said this yet as directly as we're saying it. Yeah. And I, I, here's something I've felt through these, this whole experience so far in this whole COVID thing is I think people are sometimes not for the best of things, but I think people are starting to say things more directly. They're like, okay, we don't have time to waste with empty chatter. Yeah. You know, and I hope it happens to carry forward because I think if we've learned the simplicity of what we've had to learn, and still learning through this whole thing that the planet's going to be such a different space if yeah. we bring it forward that's the big if but um so when will when will this this be released where will how will where will we be able to see god loves me too um it will be released in june um we have a couple of options for how we're doing that so i don't really have the details yet but okay cool um, well, well, we'll we'll be connecting to your website and your Instagram and all that stuff. So, I'm sure we'll be able to find it. But congrats, man! That's an amazing one. That's a biggie. Thanks. I'm so excited. Yeah, I agree. I think that with this message specifically, 
uh, on the very cautious areas that I'm kind of touching, which is LGBTQ religion and country music, three areas that often don't mesh together. Mm-hmm. Um, I like as a whole, I wanted the song to like very be very direct because I feel like people are always like beating around the bush. And I was like, no, I'm just gonna say what I want to say with the song. So it's exciting. That's very cool, man. Well, very good. Yeah. Stuff, so. Well, thank you for being here, buddy. I'm glad we got to know each other and got yeah. this pulled together. And congrats on the video. Congrats on starting the, the coaching practice and the podcast and all that good stuff. And um, I know it's just going to be a cool ride for you from wherever you go now. And um, Thank you so much for having me. This absolutely. This will be fun. We'll probably, we'll probably have to do it again because I think once things happen and... Because <laughs> this is terrible. Back, yeah, this was absolutely terrible. We didn't do a very good job with this one. But um, anyway, I love having you, Brian. We're going to have everything to reach Brian on the website, um, all the good stuff to connect with him, find his Instagram. He's, he's got a great Instagram, by the way. I, I follow it, and I, I love all the stuff that shows up there. Um, but yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Rick, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. <laughs>